With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anybody tell you that I miss practice? I made my mistakes. If, 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 if a coach say I miss practice, whatever it is, it's not right on the teleprompter. And y'all hear it, then that's that. Don't you feel like that creates uh, tension between East and West? Yeah, I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. There's no words there. Well, I'm not a crook. What does that mean, to play us out? I mean, I might have missed one practice this year. What is... I don't know what that means, to play us out. What does that mean? Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about hey everybody, this practice. is the same old Clippers. I'm Robert Palm. I'm here with Lewis Keen, as always. Uh, Lewis, how are you doing? Dude, I'm doing real, real good. It's the same old Clippers, man. Back-to-back losses on back-to-back nights. I feel like I'm back at home. I'm comfortable. This is an environment I feel safe in. Yeah, I mean, there, there are calls to fire Doc Rivers. Uh, you know, I've been seeing Lou Williams trade demands. This is, this is very familiar to me. We've been seeing this for however long we've been Clippers fans. You know, this is just what happens is the Clippers lose games that they shouldn't and uh, lose games that they should. I guess last night was a pretty tough loss. And uh, bad stuff happens to them, like Landry Shamit getting injured and uh, Pat Beverly maybe being injured, though it seems like it's a load management game. I don't know. Lots has happened to the uh, Clippers since the last time we talked, uh, but they do have two losses, which means uh, double the content here tonight. <laughs> what did you think about the uh, – I guess we can start with the loss today. to the, uh, the lowly Pelicans. Everybody's really upset about this. Uh, I'm less up in arms, and it's not a great loss, but it's their third game in four nights. Pelicans play fast. Drew Holiday is really good. I really – I can't get too upset about it at this point in the season. One thing I'll tell you, Rob, is this loss would not have happened under Mike Dunleavy. <laughs> what about Vinny Del Negro? It's hard for me to get too worked up about it, although when I look at our record and I see seven and five, it is those are just numbers you don't like seeing next to each other. And I'm starting to wonder, oh, if we're eight and eight, you know, is that gonna be, you know, LeBron big three era? Mm. You know? revisited but no I mean it they obviously looked like crap tonight uh coming out in the first half looking very hungover um or just tired okay they you know they played a they played Houston last night Houston wears you out yep um and you know New Orleans maybe not so much but uh (laughs) New Orleans but New Orleans at least you know, they they showed uh, a big Clipper issue this year where they have matchup. They have one specific matchup problem, uh, and they were confronted with that pretty loudly tonight, um, which is they don't really have anyone to body up against skilled, uh, physical, tall basketball players. Um, tonight it was Derek Favors, yep. and granted part of that was coming – you know, in the second half of a back-to-back, but Derek Favors is 
you know, half the half the player and twice the man Joel Embiid is. But you know, <laughs> but he what he had twenty twenty today. He was he was great. Derek Favors is really good, like, oh, really good. I don't, I don't know if he's like one of the more underrated players in the NBA, but um, yeah, I mean, he's really good. People were calling for Zubots to play more over Trez, which I can see. Um, and I think Trez played 36 minutes, which is just too much for him, especially on a night when Favors, who's big and skilled, like you mentioned, is in there getting rebounds, kind of just shooting over him. Um, but on the other hand, like, I, I do understand. I mean, Trez has been really effective to start the year. Uh, he has a great synergy with Lou, and he has the respect of, like, the teammates. I'm not saying Zoo doesn't, but, I mean, Trez is on a different level, and Doc, like, benching him in the fourth quarter, like, I just don't know if that's really going to happen unless Zoo is having an out-of-this-world game. Um, that said, I mean, 12 minutes is too little for him. Like, he needs to play more, especially against a big guy like Derek Favors. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Favors is a problem. I mean, the first time they play Embiid, Embiid is going to destroy them. Um, Giannis, honestly, even though he's more of a wing, similar type of just physical presence that they cannot deal with. And I mean, Giannis destroyed them. It's it's going to be an issue for them this season. It's why, like, at early pundits were, were putting the Clippers in the finals, which is, you know, a little premature maybe. But if they play the Bucks or, or Sixers, I think they're going to have real problems, you know, even with guys like Kawhi and PG, who are great defenders. I don't think either of them was really a good matchup for Giannis. And, I mean, neither of them has played Giannis this year. But um, And certainly, I don't think the Clippers have anybody who can guard Joel Embiid. So, it is a weakness. I mean, Drew Holiday was great. And without Pat Beverly, the Clippers didn't really have anybody who could guard him. Um, I thought Rodney Magruder and Moharkas did decent jobs. I mean, Holiday's just really good. But... Um, yeah, I mean, seven and five doesn't look great, but like Kawhi sat what this is his third or fourth load management game, yeah. third, third I think, and they're zero and three, so they're still seven and two when he plays, and like you know he's the best player on this team, and if he doesn't play, like even with Paul George, like they're not going to win all those games, so. I'm, the defense is an issue, but I mean, anytime you play Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell big minutes, you're not going to have a great defensive effort. Like, those guys are awesome. Like, I love, I love those guys. Like, just like anybody talking about trading Lou is just like, stop. But I mean, you can't expect to play in 37 minutes and the whole team's still like under 100 points. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, but I think there's also. Not that there's a lot of centers like this in the NBA, but Clint Capella also beat the Clippers mm-hmm. up a bunch. And I was thinking more about the Houston game just in the sense of if the Clippers end up playing that team in a series, one of the things that the Rockets do really well is they're able to control the pace in a way that sort of determines how the game is going to be played. Like, even if you're if you're playing the Rockets really well, they're still going to be doing slow isolation plays with Harden at the top of the key and then Westbrook at the top of the key uh, <laughs> and, just, and, and just getting their, you know, one, 1. 1.2 points per possession or whatever mm-hmm. that they get, um, you know, with some amount of variance based on the three-point shot, but basically, you know, running their game. And I think – if the Clippers do end up playing that team in a series, like that's not a sweep for them because 
Oh, no. Uh, that, t- that team plays very well at home. They have a guy that the Clippers didn't have an answer for, even with Kawhi on the floor um, and Pat Beverly. Um, I don't know. It's, it's sort of hard to take the Rockets seriously because they have Russell Westbrook on that team, and teams with Russell Westbrook like often uh, struggle with implosion. Um, as mm-hmm. to, to a certain extent, and people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but also James Harden teams. Um, but they looked pretty good last night, even playing shorthanded. Um, and they beat a very good Clipper team. So I think, I don't know, there's, there's stuff to take away from both of these losses. Yeah, I mean, I think the Clippers definitely have weaknesses. I mean, I know I was fully on the sign Joakim Noah train um, before the season. I mean, it turns out he's injured apparently and like apparently pretty badly. I don't know if it's actually been said what his injury is. But, but um I mean that explains that. I was I was pretty certain the Clippers would try to sign him. And uh, you know, it's for matchups like this. Like I'm not saying a thirty two year old Joakim Noah is really the answer, but I mean he would help against some of these guys. And yeah, I mean it's a weakness the Clippers have. I think Zoo has improved this year as a defender, uh, but he's still just not a physical match for those types of players. I mean Capella's way more athletic than he is, has way more bounce, just and is way quicker. Just laterally, vertically, just everywhere. He's just faster on the court. And Embiid is just I mean, nobody in the NBA can really guard Joel Embiid right now, but I mean certainly nobody on the Clippers can. And it's it's gonna be an issue. I mean, I think Harden is a guy who not many teams have answers for. Um Pat Beverly has defended him really well in the past. The problem with Pat is he commits a lot of stupid fouls. Uh, because he gets so hyped up and plays over aggressively. And the one guy in the NBA you cannot afford to foul and commit any stupid fouls against is Harden. So Beverly might be able to guard him well, but he's going to rack up fouls, which means you can't play and Harden's getting to the line, which is bad news. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think the, the Rockets would be a really tough playoff matchup. I mean, I don't know how they'd really defend Kawhi and PG over a seven-game series. I mean, PJ Tucker can only really guard one of them. And they do have Tabo Cephalosh, I guess. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't, that would be a, a really tough series. <laughs> I, I couldn't even say that straight face. I love Tabo Cephalosh, but he's, like, what, like 36 now? Like, I mean. We will not be disrespecting Tabo Cephalosha on tonight's same old Clippers. However, He's good. however, we will be disrespecting JJ Redick. Man's good with, with his shooting <laughs> sleeve. Well, I was watching this with some of my friends, and one of them was just like, "What is that on JJ Redick's arm?" I'm like, "Yep, <laughs> that is uh, that is what he has, and uh, he got that after leaving the Clippers, probably just." searching for something in his life to replace what he's lost. And uh, I don't, he's, he's looks bad. Like he looks yes, old. He needs, a, he needs a sleeve to cover the silver sun. He has on his arm. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. He, he is interested. He, I mean, he made the playoffs the first 13 years of his career. This is going to be the first year he misses. Unless, unless they, they trade, trade him. him. Yep. I think they do trade him too, because I mean, even though they beat the Clippers today, like they're mired by injuries right now, and like they're already what like like three and eight, like in the Western Conference, that's that's tough to come back from. Like I think, I think they trade Redick at some point. Um, 
probably to a playoff team to keep that 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 hope alive. Um, there are a bunch of teams like I think Dallas could probably use him to some extent. Um, San Antonio Pop would find a way to be able to utilize his shooting without, you know, exposing his weaknesses. But I mean, he was bad defensively today. Uh, I mean, he's been bad defensively for years, but um, I, he's just. He's a guy who, when he was on the Clippers, is like, wow, like, watch him shoot threes and then miss all the important ones. And uh, now it's just like, I don't have to worry about JJ collapsing in, in big games and in big moments. And it feels great. And being it, completely shut out of the series, of, out of a playoff series. I mean, he talked a lot of trash about the Clippers when he left. And I actually checked out tonight when the game ended to see if he and Doc Rivers would exchange pleasantries. And they didn't. Um, and I'm not going to make too much of that, but he talked a lot of trash about how he had lost all of his joy playing for the Clippers and, you know, the, how the locker room was such a drag and, like, you couldn't really put a finger on it. It's like, dude, you were, like, as you were one of the leaders of that team. So, like, I <laughs> yeah. don't talk to me about how, like, oh, the Clipper franchise is, like, oh, this dark place or whatever. It's like, you make – you make your own workplace. So, uh, so no love lost there. He also, he had a podcast. I think he had one with Chris Paul and then one where he was on like Zach Lowe's, I think maybe where he was talking about like how, like you don't know what you have until it's gone regarding the Clippers. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of them feel that way. Like they were all like super upset about it. Like that that team was not getting over the hump. And then once they were gone, they like almost all of them went to work, worse situations. Like, DJ is bad now. Like he's terrible. He's really bad, um, and he's playing on a Nets team that is not looking great. Blake is on a mediocre shit Pistons team, like in Detroit, and I live in Michigan. Which are they? I, mediocre shit. <laughs> I, I was going mediocre as shit, but uh, uh, got it. Uh, you can take it or leave it on any given night. And like, I live in Michigan, but like he went from LA to Michigan, which I mean, for me, you know, I'm out here for a job for like a guy who's like, wants to get into like the, like the film industry and like, is like a, a mega star, like not the greatest of looks. And then uh, Chris Paul is looking washed in Oklahoma city. So, you know, yeah. Lob city, uh, Jamal is out of the NBA, like Lob city, the, it has not ended uh, very well. And like all those guys are past their primes now. Like maybe none of them will ever get a ring. That's pretty crazy. I mean, Blake and DJ will be around for a while longer probably, but it's uh, yeah, no love lost for JJ. The Nets are going to get one. I don't know. I mean, I don't, it's first of all, it's, I mean, it's obviously very unlikely that they do. The yeah. question is whether they have a chance and that, that, basically depends on how good KD is yep. when he comes back. But yeah, that's, I'd never thought of that before. It's like none of those guys ever getting a ring. It'd be crazy. I think what, I think Chris Paul will have like a Gary Payton one where like in his very last season, he'll get on some team, the equivalent of like the 2008 Celtics. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the question is, will LeBron still be good enough in two years? <laughs> to bring him on. Chris Paul buyout to, like, end up working with the Lakers. LeBron's looking old. I mean, he's still been really good. But, I mean, he's noticeably 
losing steps. Like, yeah, he can't beat guys off the dribble like no, anymore. Did you see? Were you watching uh, against the Phoenix Suns? Did you I watch saw a fair game? amount of that. He was taking so many threes. He just he couldn't get by people, and he forced a bunch of really bad shots. And that, that I mean, that'll come and go. Yeah, but it'll come more. I mean, every year, yeah, than than it did in last year or the year before that. Yeah, um, like I'm not. I'm still not like worried. I guess like about LeBron, I think he'll be fine. But these games where he has like 14 points and shoots like, you know, five of 16 from the field, like that will happen more. Yeah, that used to never happen ever. <laughs> um, like four years ago, but um, but yeah, the I mean, are good. the Lakers are really good. I mean. Props to Frank Vogel. I think he's done a good job coaching them up. Um, Danny Green has been incredible. Dwight Howard, he gave props to him. Uh, still playing real well. Uh, AD's been – I mean, yeah, I mean, the Lakers have been really good. Um, I'd say the Bucks have probably been the best team in the NBA so far, but Lakers might be second. Um, I mean, I think Giannis is the best player in the NBA. I've said it on the pod before, but um, – I mean, the Bucks just look really good, even without Middleton now. Um, so, yeah, disrespect to JJ Redick. Uh, and uh, you know who hasn't looked good, uh, but who's about to look way better is the Portland Trailblazers. Oh yeah, because today I got a text. <laughs> uh, I got a text that Carmelo Anthony has signed with. The Portland Trailblazers. He's back, people. I'm so happy. Like, people said this about, like, Kobe, which was not true. Like, the NBA is better with Kobe in it. Fuck that. No. But the NBA is better with Carmelo Anthony in it because Melo is awesome. And he's especially awesome on the Blazers because he's not what they need whatsoever, but it's going to be so entertaining. Like, the first time they roll out a lineup with him and Hassan Whiteside together – Oh my god! <laughs> Are you any games against them soon? I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean they they do need power forwards, which is where Melo plays now. So, like, I guess from like a just a sheer positional perspective, he makes sense. But like, they don't need outside. They don't need like creation offense. They need defense and like. Rebounding. December third is the next game. He might still be on the team then. I'm That's excited. Do you think he's? Uh, yeah. I don't think he's on there to end the season, but like December third, that's oh, like three weeks away. I think he can make it till then. You don't. What about All Star break? You think he make? I think he makes it to All Star break. This team is not going anywhere. Yeah. And I've said this on a different podcast before, but Melo is kind of like the bottom out guy. I love that. It's one of my favorite theories. <laughs> where, where once you like you get Melo when your team's in bad shape and needs to be like in the absolute worst shape so that it can like repent and do better. You can like get us <laughs> like you get Melo to. It's like when you get. It's. It's like when you get chicken pox. Like one kid gets chicken pox, and you just bring everybody over to get chicken pox. And then once everybody has it, then nobody can get it anymore. You, you get rid of it. And it feels better. Um, 
So he's like he's like the he's like the goat in Yom Kippur, the Azazel, where you load all the sins onto them and then send it off into the desert. That's that's a better. That's even better analogy. Yeah, and will that work for the Trailblazers? Remains to be seen. Um, but it's worked for the Rockets before. It's it's worked. Didn't really work for the Knicks. Gotta say. But uh, the Knicks are also unique in their awfulness, though. Like, they're just a, a trash fire of an organization. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be super entertaining. Like, the Blazers are not very good. Melo is not going to make them any better. He might make them worse, but he's going to make them so much more fun. Like, I cannot wait to watch the first time Dame is open somewhere and Melo has the ball in 18 feet ignores him to jib-jab a little bit. <laughs> a pull-up shot. Uh, and just Portland friends will freak out on Twitter. They already hate Hassan Whiteside. They are going to hate Melo. I'm so excited for this. Blazer fans like Hassan Whiteside. No, the Blazers fans I know hate Hassan Whiteside. And I know Corbin Smith hates him. But uh, Most other Blazers people I know do not like him. Okay. Yeah, uh, he's been pretty bad for them so far. Unsurprising. The Blazers thought that Hassan Whiteside was their bottom-out guy. But the problem was they didn't need to bottom out when they got Hassan Whiteside. He just he just sent them on the path needing to get mellow. What if they do collect all the bottom-out guys? Like, they bring in Jamal Crawford next. And Raymond Felton. They got to get everybody. They have to. They have to fully redeem their franchises, like, cloudiness by uh, just bringing everyone that has bad vibes in Portland. Jamal, Raymond Felton, you know. Uh, Who else was on that team that year? <laughs> they were probably mad they didn't get Dwight. If, imagine if this Blazer team had Dwight instead of Hassan. Whiteside, how much better they'd be. A lot. Which is, which is startling to think in the year almost 2020. Uh, yeah, they need to reunite that. What, what year was that? The 2013 Blazers? Raymond Felton, Jamal Crawford, what, like, get Joel Freeland from back from England? Andre Miller. <laughs> Andre Miller, like, not even able to jump three inches off the ground anymore. <laughs> never never could never could get the six-inch high jump for Andre Miller. Oh, my God. He did have that, that one nice dunk, though. Yeah, that one tip dunk, a legendary, just, just comes no, out of nowhere. Fast, a fast break tomahawk. Really? I haven't seen that. Was that from college? No, it was like in year 15 playing for the Blazers. He, <laughs> he just threw down a tomahawk like completely out of nowhere. It's just like one of those cracks in the time dimension or something. Some oh. alternate universe where Andre uh, Miller had like Anthony Simons hops. Speaking of alternate universes, you know who was an alternate universe recently? Dion Waiters when he... <laughs> <laughs> this is how we do segues on same old clippers <laughs> and Dion Waiters uh, took an, an edible I guess that was not his own that somebody gave him and uh, I guess his reporting is still questionable about this like he had like some people said he had like a seizure other people said he had a panic attack uh, Dion said it wasn't his edible it's just a fascinating story. Like I need like a full scale, like 3000 word article doing like a, a neo-noir type breakdown of this situation 
like lay out the investigator, like the victim, all the suspects. My prime suspect is Tyler Hero. I think it was a bad case of rookie hazing. Dion was salty that Hero took his spot and uh, was bullying the shit out of him. And Hero uh, was like, hey, man, like, you know, I've, it's been tough, but like, here, take this edible, spiked it with something. And uh, that's how we I'll get there. You, I'll do you one better because I think you're onto something. What if it was a situation where Dion Waiters always confiscated the rookie's candy and made them bring candy on the, on the flight, and then he would just take his pick? And then Tyler Hero knew that, that Dion had a proclivity for the gummies. And so he just slipped him a couple bad ones, uh, or he brought a, a few hmm. spiked ones on the plane, knowing that they would be confiscated by Dion Waiters. You know, this, this kind of stuff happens all the time, Rob. I like this, because it also explains why Dion Waiters is always looking chubby. It's because he keeps taking all the rookies' candy on planes. There you go. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean... Honestly, it's 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 the kind of magic that really only happens in November, you know, of, of an NBA season. And some people I know have been struggling with the NBA this year. Uh, you know, the coaches' challenges. Yeah, and uh, there have been a lot of injuries now. But uh, you know, this off-court drama. It, it does help to distract from, you know, a an encore product that that has its ups and downs. Yeah. No, I mean, there's always something interesting going on, like, you know, the Dion Waiters thing, the suspensions we've discussed previously, um, you know, the random Carl, trash. Carl Towns getting in a bunch of fights, just fighting everyone, just going <laughs> to the grocery store, getting in fights. Desperate to prove Jimmy Butler wrong by displaying his toughness, and just getting in fights. I'll show you, Jimmy. Like I'm tough. I don't just play video games. <laughs> I get in fights. Uh, you know, there's there's been lots of fun stuff. You know, um, Russell Westbrook apparently trash talked Pat Beverly yesterday after yeah. the uh, after that's the Rockets game. That's night, he said, Pat. Pat Bev trick y'all. <laughs> He's not actually a good defense. He just like makes a lot of noise and like fouls people. And then he like reminded everyone that Harden went for 47, which like, okay. But also like Russell Westbrook went for like eight. So. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I do think, I do think Pat Beverly's a little bit overrated as a defender, but I'm also absolutely. not sure. Like, I'm also not sure like how good of a defender people think Pat Beverly is like, uh, he hasn't been first team all defense like in a few years. So, um, so it's not like he's getting major defensive awards and he doesn't have the reputation as a stopper that Tony Allen did. You know, it's not like people are hyping him as the best wing defender in the NBA or something like that. Yeah. But, um, but I do think there's value to his like competitiveness and to his, and even to his fouling. I think uh, <laughs> there is some value. I remember the beginning of last year, he was like hand checking guys twice every first quarter, 
and then we just be like, all right, we're in the bonus. Like, stop handshaking people. Um, I, but I do think there's value, especially as the season goes on and referees swallow their, lip, their whistle a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They're playing physically and it's like rattling guys, especially in uh, Staples Center where you have to like convince fans to stand up and cheer sometimes. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I think actually, I mean, his just attitude and like communication is a big asset. I think as a one-on-one defender, I certainly think he's overrated. I don't think he's ever been, you know, at that Tony Allen level or for a couple of years, Tony Allen was just like invincible on defense. Yeah. Um, and he was, he was really good for a couple of years, but I mean, he certainly is a clipper. Uh, I don't think he's ever been, I mean, he did have that bad injury his his first year with the Clippers. Um, and he's, you know, he's past 30 now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's ever been, like, a true stopper like that. But it's, like, his energy, his toughness, um, you know, his willingness to give hard fouls, his ability to communicate on the court and, like, yell at people. And, you know, just communication is, like, probably the most important part of defense in terms of not just, like, individual stopping, but, like, actually creating a cohesive unit. Um, which is what actually leads to good defense. It's not just individual stopping. And which is why the Avery Badleys of the world, I just call them Avery Badley, uh, <laughs> are so overrated is because, like, yeah, like, he's really intense one-on-one, and, like, he is, like, really hard to shake. He's super intense. But, like, he doesn't do any of the other things that make, like, for a good defense. Um, and Pat Beverly does do those things. But, um, yeah, I mean, I actually think, I mean, he's – shooting he's ice cold right now but I think his offense is underrated and his defense is overrated because he doesn't turn the ball over ever and he's a good three-point shooter like there's value to that um yeah I'm with you there and he's a great rebounder too oh yeah fantastic like in a a ridiculous rebounder for a short guy who doesn't have hops like he's just smart and like just outworks everybody um but yeah what did you think of Paul George's first start I mean, he was incredible. <laughs> I mean, there are things he didn't do great. Like, Drew Holiday destroyed him down the stretch. Um, just took the ball out of his hands, like, three or four times. Um, but, I mean, on offense, he looked really smooth. Like, he was running pick and roll. He was hitting spot-up threes. Uh, he looked very unafraid of drawing fouls and taking contact on injured shoulders, which is a big deal. Um, defensively, I thought he played – I mean, he wasn't, like – dominating the game but I mean I thought he looked pretty good defensively uh he made a couple nice passes he's certainly not like a great passer but I mean he was looking to pass like he was he's making reads out of double teams I mean I think the Clippers can't possibly have asked for any better from him personally I mean in terms of just down the stretch like not getting stripped sure but as an overall performance I mean I thought he was really really effective Um, yeah we're probably not going to see that Paul George on every night yeah. But just the huge upgrade from, like, having Landry Shamit chasing down passes and, you know, uh, yeah. defending guys is huge. Like, I I was kind of jokingly do it as I was watching games last week, but when sh- especially because Shamit wasn't shooting the ball well and wasn't defending all that well. It's like, like man, wait till we have Paul George in that position because, like, Landry Shamit competes really hard on defense, but he just doesn't have the length to really mm-hmm. accomplish anything. Yeah. Um, 
So it's kind of frustrating. It's like, oh, he's like blanketing this guy, but the, the guy is also getting any shot he wants. Like, who, who is it uh, against Portland um, and against Toronto where like Fred Van Vliet was just working him? Just oh, like, yeah. Uh, Fred Van Vliet's not a big guy and like Landry Shamus should be able to like crowd him, but he just doesn't have the length to actually like block any shots or, or get in the way. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, Paul George is going to be huge. I mean, he won't always be as good as he was tonight, obviously, uh, especially offensively. But, um, yeah, I mean, his size and, like, defensively will be big. Um, and, I mean, I don't really, like, I think the Clippers might load manage him to some extent, but, like, I don't think he's going to be put on, like, a back-to-back load management plan like Kawhi because he doesn't have that type of degenerative injury. Like, he had shoulder surgery, but... He has no long-lasting shoulder problems, and he has no other – like, I mean, he might get games off here or there, have a minutes limit for right now, but I see no reason why he shouldn't play most of the rest of the season. Um, so, I mean, I think as he continues to work his way back and get chemistry with everybody, um, yeah, I mean, he's really good. He was like a top-five MVP guy last year. He fell off down the stretch because of his injuries, but, I mean, he's he's really, really good. and. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought he, he fit in as well as possible uh, tonight. Yeah, and I think one other thing is this team is – the one thing that this game previewed is how unstoppable they're going to be down the stretch of games, especially mm-hmm. coming out of timeouts. When you have, you know, that, that play, that set piece for Paul George hitting the three. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the last minute, it just made it look really easy. It's like – Teams are going to have to decide what they're going to do, and it's probably going to end up with Kawhi and Paul George both having kind of one-on-one matchups instead of guys being able to, like, force the ball out of their hands and into, let's say, Lou Williams' hands. Like, it's going to be one of those two guys, and they're going to be able to get really good looks. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think when you have Lou, Kawhi, PG, any two other players, they'll be able to do whatever. Um, and, like, Doc will have a lot of options. I think there are some valid criticisms about his rotations thus far this season, especially with not playing Zoo enough, probably maybe overloading Lou and, and Trez. Um, but, like, he has a lot of options. I think he's still tinkering. Um, you know, now that Rodney Magruder is apparently out of his funk and playing well again, like, how he's played the first few years of his NBA career, like, that's big because uh, he's good. Um, he's Landry Shamit size, but does have the length to play effective defense against bigger guys. Um, you know, Mo Harkless has been really good. Uh, yeah. Jamichael, Jamichael Green's cooled off a bit. Um, he was really hot to start the season. He's had some not so great games lately, but I mean, there's a lot of options and like, I'm just, I'm just not worried about it. Um, you know, there's seven and five. It's not great. Records do matter. Um, you know, there are some trouble spots, like we've said. But overall, like, Kawhi's played really well for the most part. PG looked great. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think the Clippers are still on track to be really good. Quickly, uh, Terrence Mann got his first NBA start today. Had five points, a couple rebounds, four assists. Had a few bad turnovers. But overall, for, like, a second-round rookie playing in his first NBA start, I thought he acquitted himself, you know, fairly well. Yeah, but we can't we – can't qualify our evaluation of Terrence Mann based on him being a second round rookie anymore. He's now he's just an NBA player and he's a guy on the team. Like yeah, I agree he's a great a great get, but 
what I saw from him tonight was definitely someone who's figuring it out uh, offensively. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, there was there was a play I think in the first quarter where he drove middle and just immediately had the ball confiscated. Oh yeah, um, which is like, yeah, those are things that you tried in preseason and got layups on that in the NBA there's like five hands that are hungry to take it away. So like even against the Pelicans who are arguably the worst team in the NBA or definitely like bottom tier, yeah, uh, there's stuff you can't get away with. And he'll, he'll figure that out. And another thing I saw uh, in the third quarter, I think, um, where he drove the ball got into the paint and gave kind of like a, a head fake and then a turnaround that he missed. And it was a very SGA-looking play. Yep. And I don't know how much the two players have in common, like in their dribble drive game, but they're definitely learning from the same people. And, like, Sam Cassell is really good at developing guards. Um, and, ju- and I think Natalie Nikasi should also uh, get some credit here uh, too. Yeah, definitely. But the, the Clippers coaching staff does a really good job developing guards. So I'm, 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 if he turns out to be half the player and twice the man that Shea goes away, then we have a lot to be excited about. Yeah, no. Uh, and one last thing uh, before we transition a little bit uh, to wrap up too. Uh, I, I think, like, this is a very hot take. Um, I think Derek Walton should get a chance at minutes this season. Like, I like Terrence Mann, but as you just said, like, he's learning the NBA offensively, especially a new position at point guard. Jerome Robinson, shockingly, has played pretty good defense, uh, but his offense is just not there right now. Uh, It could be my Michigan bias showing. I trust Derek Walton Jr. to run – the Clippers offense more than I do Terrence Mann or Jerome Robinson right now. And like, yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the upside of either of them. He's like 25. He's clearly like a fringe NBA player, but he's like an actual point guard with actual point guard skills and reps. And, you know, at some point, like if Jerome keeps not shooting and not, and just hot potatoing the basketball and Terrence Mann can't dribble and, and penetrate against, you know, NBA level defenses, Walton should legitimately get a chance, you know, to play. Like, I mean, I don't know if he'll actually do anything better. He very well might not. But, like, it was, it was kind of rough watching Mann and, and Robinson running the offense because it really wasn't running the offense. It was giving the ball to Lou Williams and Paul George, neither of whom are actual point guards, and don't really get the offense into sets. Like, Lou is a great playmaker, but he's not a guy who's going to run, like, an offense all the time. Um, so, yeah, my, my hot take is that I think Doc should try Derek Walton at some point in the near future uh, if, if Jerome and uh, Terrence Mann aren't playing up to snuff. But it I, I think that makes sense. Just because uh, they're playing a lot of these games like they don't really matter that much. You know, just the yeah. idea of starting uh, Terrence Mann to begin with shows a certain amount of, you know. Blase. Uh, yeah, it, it, disregard for the outcome of the game as you know as opposed to like establishing process or like um building uh you know some sort of roster cohesiveness um and figuring out what people on the roster can do so yeah i mean they should 
basically be playing everybody, especially if they're giving like Rodney Magruder as much run as they're giving him. Um, Terrence Mann, Jerome Robinson, all these guys should be getting some play. Uh, Patrick Patterson, all these guys should be getting some play. Um, and they have, you know, they have a guy. They have a guy who can do that stuff. So, yeah, I'd like to see it too. Yeah. But speaking of guy who would be getting minutes, who should be getting minutes on this Clippers team, who we mourn forever for not getting minutes on this Clippers team anymore, the Ty Wallace tracker. Ty Wallace. <laughs> the weekly Ty Wallace tracker. Ty Wallace played 17 minutes today for the Hawks. He had a, a classic Ty Wallace line, 0 for 5 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3, 3 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, plus 5, highest plus minus on the Hawks in a 14-point loss. <laughs> <laughs> Were they the last 17 minutes of a, of a blowout? No. They, they actually they lost by 16, but no, he played in the first and uh, a little – I mean, I think he gets a few minutes in the first and second quarters um, when Trey sits, and then he played, like, a little in the third and early fourth when it wasn't a blowout yet. But, like, at least half those minutes were blowout minutes. But, uh, yeah. Well, on Saturday night, he's coming to L.A., and uh, we're going to hang out. I'm going to be going to the Clipper game. Uh, I'll be probably sitting in the 300 section. Uh, and But we'll have that connection. And so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And the Hawks are going to be fun. Like, I mean, that's a game the Clippers should win because the Hawks are not good. But Trey Young is, might be the most fun player in NBA right now. Like, I don't – he's certainly, like, top five. Like, it's incredible. He's not making a player every single game. And, like, he's going to try to do that to somebody on the Clippers and Pat Beverly is going to lose his shit. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be incredible. Uh, And then Jabari Parker is going to, like, throw down with Jamichael Green or something in a battle of, like, 6'8", 260-pound power forwards. And uh, we'll all be better off for it. Jabari Parker playing the best basketball of his career right now. Looking legitimately good. Honestly, Jabari Parker looking good is more shocking to me than Andrew Wiggins looking good. Um, I agree, and I'm excited for Andrew Wiggins. I I might end up writing a column about that at some point, but we'll see. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you don't subscribe to Unstatable, you should. This is uh, my weekly Clippers newsletter. It's free, um, and it's gonna have great reported insights and uh, uh, and other insights non-reported. Uh, speculative about the Clippers every week this year um, it's funny there's uh, pictures in it and uh, it's a good way for you to track every every win and loss that happens in the Clippers this season yeah and I mean you do want to catch up on the wins because after all same old Clippers only runs after losses so this time you got a double content double amount of content two losses um Hopefully, well, you know, hopefully we don't run again for a little while, you know? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would say the Clippers, as long as they're load managing and still getting the roster together, they're, they're going to keep losing some games. So we'll be around. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we had a good one. We, we solved Dion Waiter's edible incident. Uh, you know, we disrespected J.J. Redick. And, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll catch us around next time on uh, Same Old Clippers. All right, man. If the Clippers never lose again, it's been really fun. Yeah, it's been great. Okay, see you, dude. All right, go, go. That's tomorrow, and that is it.
to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I can't do it. I mean, how silly is that? We'll do it live. Practice? Okay. We'll do it live. Practice? Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Not, a, not, a, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. I mean, how silly is that?